Hey, welcome everyone to the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. Um, always a joy to be with you. Uh, extremely excited about today's scripture. It comes from a really well-known verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Well-known chapter, I should say. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Um, if you've ever been to a wedding ceremony in your life, you've probably if it was a Christian ceremony in any way, you've probably heard a little quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, when you got in a fight with your brothers or sisters, your mom, dad may have made you read this chapter or copy some verses out. You know, um, a lot of uses for the love chapter um, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Um, I'm excited to get into this one for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them being the letter to the Corinthians, I think, from Paul, first letter to the Corinthians, can often be misunderstood. So um, I'm reaching now. So if you're like not, if I'm not making any sense to you, that's okay. I'll make sense in a second. But for those of you with any familiarity with First Corinthians, and if you've heard a lot of preaching in your life, um, so if you haven't, just you know, hold on to the bar here, and I promise I'll get back around. But for those of you who heard a lot of preaching. 1 Corinthians often gets used for a church in chaos because there was a lot of wild things happening in the Corinthian church. Um, the Corinthian church was people who were pagans before they became Christians, so they were just completely like, we would today, we would describe them as completely unchurched. So Paul has to say things like, no more prostitutes. Um, some of you are getting drunk at communion time. Stop doing that. Um, he has to say, uh, you guys can't be like, I follow Peter, so I'm going to sit over here on this side of the church and put up a little barrier, a rope. And those of you who follow Paul or Apollos have to sit over there. You get your rope over there. Also, there's a guy who's married to his mother-in-law, and he's like, and this isn't like a secret. They weren't found in the back hallway. They were like living openly in this condition and saying it was good. <laughs> so Paul has to like, and then you have people speaking in tongues to take over the entire service. You have, I mean, it's just good stuff, you know, good juicy stuff. And so the first Corinthian letter, sometimes that's all people know. Yeah, hey, I think there were some wild problems in Corinth. And so Paul wrote that letter, which is really, really too bad because it misses one of the great letters from Paul. So much good stuff in there. And what happens is I think there's a little amnesia about that because 1 Corinthians 13, okay, people are very familiar with that. It's one of Paul's most poetic verses. It's got like, uh, it's a chapters rather. It's so good about love and what it is and ain't. And um, people kind of forget that it's in the same letter. Well, that should shine a light on the fact that 1 Corinthians is, just, is not just about some nutty church and chaos. It's not really about that at all, honestly. Um, one of the main themes running through 1 Corinthians is unity, um, the unity that the Holy Spirit brings to the people of God. Um, that's basically Paul's main problem with the Corinthians. If you think it's chaos, you should go back and read it because it's his main problem with the Corinthians. He's got two, in my opinion, of course, but one I think you can easily trace through the letter by reading it is that he's worried about their disunity. So he brings in all this stuff about how pride and disunity can ruin you. So I'm just excited to get into this verse because if you think it's just about love, then you've missed it. Um, if you think it's just a good chapter to use, to pick bits out of, to use for um, weddings, I think that's also selling it short. So um, I'm excited to get into it to show, because I think I'm loving how our context always shows us so much about 
a verse gets so much more important and more powerful when we put it back into its context, okay? And before we get started, let's be clear. It's used at every wedding. Yeah, just about, man. Or you go home with a plaque. I shoot weddings for a living. Not as much now, but I did. And let me tell you, every wedding, <laughs> even non-Christian weddings, it was there. Did they even slip you a, a, a plaque with First Corinthians on it just for being there with your camera? Man, I could have just been like, I, I should have been the person that like bet that this was on something because I would have made money. See, people. Because it was always right. See? Confirmed. Confirmation here from an actual wedding professional. I think it's pretty neat. All right, so let's get into it. First Corinthians third chapter thirteen verses four through five is our verse of the day from you version. And again, this is just a portion. I know that I love the verse of the day. I hope you guys always hear me saying that. Not criticizing the verse of the day. Love it. You know, you can find chapter of the day apps and all that. It's all good. So I'm not criticizing, but I'm saying the verse of the day needs to act as a fire starter for you, not not the whole meal. All right, so 1 Corinthians 13, and they uh, break their own rule here. It's the verses of the day. <laughs> okay, so they did two, and they still don't cover it all. So here we go. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. All right, as always, I'd like to point out, there is plenty here, okay? In these two verses, there's all kinds of stuff to work on. And a lot of times we have more Christian and biblical context floating around in our brain than we know. All right, I think that's always important to keep in mind. Um, because, what do I mean by that? I mean, when you read that, you probably have a better idea of what it's trying to get at than you know, because you're always gonna have a bit more, you know, if you know anything about the Bible, you're kind of referencing things. But I think a good way to do it is, what would someone who's ne- you know knows nothing about God, doesn't isn't a Christian at all, and doesn't know anything about the Bible, if you hand this to them, they are going to be able to get some things out of it, okay? They'll think, love is, okay, there are some people in my life I love. It's patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. I can't speak for you, but I'm already convicted all the way down into the black boots that I'm wearing today, <laughs> you know, because I'm thinking about my kids, my wife, all these people that I've told that I love. And I'm thinking about the absence of patience, kindness. I'm thinking about the presence of envy and boasting and arrogance and rudeness. And I'm thinking about all the times recently that I've insisted on my own way and been irritable and resentful. So, you know, just taking this verse at, at what do you say, face value, Yeah. I'm just feeling bad about myself, which is not all bad, okay? I, we could, I, I'll speak for myself. I could use a little bit more feeling bad about myself when I'm not loving like I should. Yeah, it's good, definitely good to recognize things. Yeah, and I and because I don't usually, I walk around in a lot of denial, which is too bad. Mm-hmm. And part of Scripture's use in our lives, you can know this, you know, like from the famous verse that Scripture is able to, you know, rebuke and help us, you know, be equipped for every good work. Paul says that to Timothy, so we know it should serve that purpose in our life. And so, and it is, it's waking me up, but here's the deal without context. Yeah, I know God, I know Jesus. So I'm like, okay, what do I need first? I need God to forgive me. And then I need to understand more about how can I be more loving? All right. So I, but I know that because I'm a Christian, if for those of us who are like, man, I don't know what is this just supposed to make me feel bad or show me that I'm not loving or as, uh, Issa and I were talking about what, you know, when this is at a wedding, I just don't know what to say. Cause this kind of love you can kind of do on just the high, the emotion yeah. for like two weeks, 
Yeah. If that's how long your honeymoon lasts. Yeah. And then after that, it's like, man, what are you going to do? You need the rest of the Bible. You need the rest of Corinthians, okay? So first of all, let's put this in its larger context, which we kind of did at the beginning. We laid a good work there. The larger context is this is a letter from Paul to a church that he started. He helped plant in Corinth. And it's not a primarily Jewish church. It's a primarily Gentile or, you say, pagan church. And so the people there are learning everything from scratch, just about. And they've got these gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they've got each other in this new community that they're trying to live in, and it's causing the issues that you would think it would, one of the main issues being division. He starts there. He ends there. You can't have divisions in the church. It's actually the absolute opposite of what the Holy Spirit has come to do. He's come to make peace between people, peace between us and God, and peace between Jews and Gentiles, and peace between people and other people. So it's like this huge thing, and the Corinthians aren't getting it. And so he has to point it out in many different ways. All right, And one of the, one of the main ways, I'm continuing on context here, one of the main ways that the Corinthians were um, showing their disunity was by like this boastful, I'm more spiritual than you. I'm more spiritual than you. I have, I have a better spiritual gift, or I speak in tongues more, or I have more food and wine that I've brought to communion, or I follow Jesus, not Peter or Apollos or Paul, or I follow Apollos, who's obviously better at explaining the Old Testament. I'm not with you losers who are with Paul. So there's this spiritual bragging that goes on, okay? And the reason why that's important is that Paul uses 12 chapters to show in many, he shows other things, but in many ways you can you can trace this argument that he's showing that unity is right at the heart of what the Holy Spirit has come to do. And he's and he kind of dovetails into, into this talk about spiritual gifts since that's what they're using, okay? So there was an occasion to write about spiritual gifts. Paul wasn't just like, I want to write about spiritual gifts. I'll use their disunity as an excuse to do it. Instead, with the context of them using spirituality and spiritual gifts to brag and to have disunity among each other, he bring he dovetails the conversation into chapter 12 where he talks about how the church is a body. It's supposed to have the kind of unity that a human body has. The A great example of that, if I put your... Um, hand on a chopping block and I'm like I'm just going to take one finger off is that okay with you all the way from your toes on up to your eyebrows your whole body is interested in me leaving that finger the way it is Mm -hmm. it's not you can't get a vote from the wrist and the elbow that's kind of like yeah we don't use him anyway get rid of him yeah and so Paul uses that and your whole body needs to work together to accomplish your tasks and so Paul uses that heavily. He says, you guys, each individual, are part of one another in the same way that body parts are part of one another. And when you work against each other, it's kind of like you're taking your fist and punching yourself in the face. You guys have got to stop doing that. And then he says, the Holy Spirit has gifted each one of you differently. You're supposed, you know, you're gifted as a finger is gifted. You're gifted as an eye is gifted. You over here, you're gifted as an ear is gifted. You guys need to work together, not against each other. All right. And so that 12 works all the way. He goes, and spiritual gifts, listen, they're only here to strengthen that body of Christ. And that body of Christ is here for love. It's here for people to lay down their lives for one another. That's what Paul was doing. He laid down his life for the Corinthians. He shows them that throughout the letter. He goes, you guys need to lay down your lives for one another. 
Of course, he points back to Jesus Christ who laid down his life for this world. All right, so there's this whole not me but you type thing going on. And he shows how spiritual gifts and the body of Christ fit right in there in 12. And so at the end of 12, when he talks about the body, the spiritual gifts, that gets him into chapter 13, where he goes, I'll, I'll show you a still more excellent way. And then in verse 1, you get these very, of chapter 13, you get these well-known words. Paul goes like this, if I was the most awesome Christian of all, of all time and I didn't love people, I'm a waste of time and I'm actually a bad thing. So here's how he says it. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. All right? So it's a very important, you know, preface over this whole chapter on love because, believe it or not, it's not talking about American husbands and wives and how they primarily, it's not talking about that. Easton, pick yourself up off the floor. I know it's a shock. Uh, I, I mean, it's just been beat into me so long. <laughs> well, the shocks are going to keep coming. So it's not primarily about that. It's actually so much bigger than that. It could, you could say it includes how husband and wives, Christian husbands and wives should treat each other for sure. But it's so much bigger than that. It's actually about the place of love itself, the self-giving love that we have illustrated in Jesus and then supposed to have illustrated in the church and we have illustrated in Paul's life. It's supposed to show how this is central. If you don't have it, if that's not the action-oriented direction of your life then it literally look it's not my opinion you can read it right here in 13 1 through 3 it is God's opinion through the scriptures that if you don't love people then you could be as gifted and spiritual and giving and you could be the best person anyone has ever seen the most spiritual person anyone's ever seen and it is worse than nothing <laughs> That's, I mean that Paul could not do anything else he couldn't say it more deeply that if you miss the fact that you're supposed to love other people as you love yourself, you have missed everything. All right? Okay, and when so when he elevates love so highly, he needs to make sure to let us know then what it is. Because we all know, I think we do understand this. You've, you've got to have heard this before. You can define, the if you just keep it to the word love, then you can define it any way you want. And that way you can pull off the great escape. And I think we all do that. You know, I do. So I'll say, like, Catherine, look, that's my wife. Catherine, I love you, so you need to listen to me. You know, that's, see how I just pulled that off there? It's like, look, I love you, so I just threw the word out there. And since I love you, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. And uh, husbands everywhere, I think, can uh, associate with that. And what I need to do is I need to give a better definition to that word can't just throw the word around so paul is going like look i've just told you love is of the utmost importance and now i'm going to put some definition to it and listen this definition makes so much more sense this is why i love context this is why i love the cross point scripture podcast paul is not reaching into a grab bag he's not writing a hallmark card he's writing to specific people corinthian christians who are destroying themselves and their church by boasting in their spiritual gifts and being arrogant and demanding their own way and being rude to each other. So he's reaching, he's 
talking in that context. And so he starts on verse 4 here. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. You're already seeing this diagnosis of everything that's wrong with the Corinthians. Do you see that? And I would say this could easily be said, this is everything wrong with the American church too. Love yeah. does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. And then it goes on in 6 now. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endears all things. And then verse 8 goes on to say, love never ends. And then he goes on, he lists all the um, prophecies, all the spiritual gifts that they're bragging about, and on and on. Now, I would love to get into all this, but we have to, as usual, i got to remind myself, this is a podcast about the verse of the day. So I think the main point I wanted to make here contextually is that Paul is talking to specific people about a pride problem they're having and about how love is the is the direction of life. You see that patience, kindness, it doesn't envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or, or resentful, it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, it does rejoice with the truth, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes and endures. So this is an overall direction of life that is only possible with the presence of the Holy Spirit, with God in your life. It's not a feeling primarily. It involves feelings, but it's not a feeling primarily. It's not just a word. It's not here to spice up soft rock. It is an all-inclusive direction of life that is supposed to be the all-inclusive direction of life that should characterize the Christian church. It was starting to not characterize the Corinthian church, so Paul had to write them this this beautiful corrective here. Okay, So what happens is all the things we do, our scripture reading, our preaching, our praying, our spiritual gifts, everything needs to fall in line with this direction of life. That's what Paul is trying to tell them. You guys have lost the direction. You've lost the plot of the whole movie, and so it's all falling apart. You have the gifts, you have the church, you have communion, but you are losing the plot of the whole thing. So they're just flying out in every direction and they're hurting people. Okay. So it's a beautiful verse. And just, and you know where we began by reading, you know, that love is patient and kind and it's not resentful and rude and stuff. We started there with what could have been just a little moral talk, you know, just Easton be more patient. Just, just a <clears throat> typical wedding, wedding speech. Exactly. Just, just be more patient. Don't envy. Stop being so arrogant. You know, like that. And the problem with that, it's not so much that it isn't right. It's a, it's a good corrective. It's just that it's not enough. It's not. It You can't pull it out of the whole Christian picture of Jesus' death on the cross for you and then this direction of life that the Holy Spirit is here to make happen. That's The, the Holy Spirit is going this direction. He's going in the direction of patience, kindness. He is against envy and boasting. He's against arrogance and rudeness. He's against people insisting on their own way. The Holy Spirit does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. The Holy Spirit bears all things, believes and hopes and endears. And his love never ends. So if we're going to be led by the Spirit, this needs to be the direction of our life. Okay. Um where can we see this then? So we are looking at its original context, 
And now we um, are going to see how can we see Jesus in these verses. And I've already been referenced, kind of referencing left and right, so this should, this should be quick work. Um, I think it's of the utmost importance that we look at this, look at verses four through seven, and see that it's got Jesus written all over it. But like we talked about, and I think our last episode, right, Ethan? Didn't we say that? It involves action. In our last verses, we were talking about <clears throat> yeah, peacemakers and the fact that uh, what was it, the, the NLT said the workers for peace. Yeah, work for peace. Yeah, and you were um, pointing out that that implies you can't just feel it or say it; you have to do it. Right. And that's exact. Like in these verses here, I see nothing but action. You know, yes, there are internal states like resentment and irritableness, but how can you tell? When somebody's resentful and irritable, it's in how they're acting. Right. You know? I think it's if the the minute that you forget to, uh, or the second you forget uh, about that verse, that you're not actively thinking about it, it's it's real easy to just stop applying it. Mm-hmm. So that kind of has to constantly be in your mind, yeah. Because your kind of your anger or you know whatever your impatience takes over real quick. Yes. When you when that's not in the forefront. That's right. And if we see Jesus in these verses, you can tell like, okay, Jesus's disciples like never understood what he was doing. So it's three and a half years of ministry with them. And like, I mean, ministry of like, <laughs> like of the youth, youth pastor level where you're like living with these kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this full life invasion. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. And they like never got it. And yet Jesus was always patient with them and kind. You're saying, always kind. I thought he called Peter Satan and told him to get behind him. At that moment, that was kindness. That was tough love, and he needed to do it. But Jesus was actively patient and kind with his disciples. These uh, Pharisees were living, you know, a life where they were being respected and receiving greetings in the marketplace and eating at banquets and stuff. Jesus did not live in envy of them. I mean, think about what this would have taken. He never went up to any of the Pharisees and goes, guys, I just want to let you know, I am God in the flesh. Like, you're not that cool. I am. Mm-hmm. I actually created the universe. But you're not that cool. So I just needed to let you know that today because I'm kind of having a rough day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so there he is. He's showing this incredible, um, he's not envying them or boasting about himself. And it goes on and on. It would do you very a lot of good. I'd like to do it now, but take too much time going through verses four through seven and just seeing how Jesus's attitude and actions followed this path of love and then asking yourself why because you're like okay now I just feel bad about myself because I'm not Jesus that's completely not the point the point is the Holy Spirit it is the Spirit of Christ and he is in your life to point you in this direction so the power to do it is there why did Jesus live that way because of his trust in the Father and you can do that you can put your trust in the Father rather than in yourself. And when you do that, you're going to find the Holy Spirit working these actions out in you. This is not Paul calling you to act to try harder. He's telling you the power to be this person is in you. You're, you're working against it. You're working against the Holy Spirit and grieving him and keeping him from doing this in your life if you won't, if you insist on your own way. It's all we, what we really need to do is surrender, see this as the pattern of life, see Jesus in it and the Holy Spirit is there to empower you to move this direction okay so there as usual there's just so much more to say but it's all good and uh, very exciting so I hope you've gotten a lot of food for thought I hope you can take and follow up on some of these things 
If you have any questions, you can always ask um, J-S-E-R-R-A at thecrosspoint.com. If I don't know, I'll just give you an email back that says I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll just kidding. I'll do the best I can, and maybe we can also point you towards other parts of Scripture or resources that might help you. Um, but thanks for listening. We have another request in the hopper um, about rightly dividing the word of truth, so I'm excited to get to that one. And um, Okay, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Peace.